Hey everybody, welcome back to the CarTech Garage and another week in automotive history. Yes, we do. We got some some good events this week. You know, I'm super excited to to sit down and listen to some history. Yeah, you always like this part. I do. I really do. You know, like I remember one of my favorite things after I graduated high school was I took a trip over to Europe and it was all car themed. And one of my favorite museums that I've ever been to in my entire life and ever have an opportunity to go to it is the Mercedes Museum in Stuttgart. It Indeed. is it is amazing. There's so much history there. I didn't even know what to do with myself. <laughs> it's definitely on my bucket list. <laughs> and so fitting he's wearing his Nürburgring sweatshirt yeah. right now. <laughs> you would probably spend at least a week there. And I'm when I say a week, I mean like 8 hours a day for an entire week. Oh yeah. That's how much you would enjoy it. Oh, my wife knows anytime we go to an automotive museum, plan out the whole day. This just you would, I, I sit and stare at every car and read yeah. everything about every you car. You would be like overwhelmed overwhelmed with information. I know you showed me pictures and I, I really think you're right. I would actually have to get a hotel and come back day after day. You're <laughs> not kidding. He's not First kidding. level, don't look at anything else today. That's all right. That would, at least that would make the podcast better though if I was, if I was just better. All right. Right, right, so right, right. Let's go ahead and kick this off. March 14th, 1976. Um, 45 years ago, James Hunt won his second consecutive race of champions at Brands Hatch. Now, that he was racing his McLaren M23D, and he set the fastest lap in that race as well. And, you know, there's that whole rivalry between Nicky Lauda and James Hunt. Now, Nicky Lauda actually had a brake problem, lap 17, and he got out. So he was on his tail for a little while. But the point being, the McLaren M23D was a fireball. So Hunt would actually go on to win the 1976 Drivers' Championship with the M23, and it was indeed one of the most successful cars in F1 history. So it ran from 1973 all the way to 1977. And that was an era in F1 where, you know, there, there were still a lot of strides being made in terms of design, and they were able to keep this thing competitive that entire time. So if you fast forward on the last season, the 1977 season that it ran, it wasn't supposed to. McLaren actually had their new M26 ready to rock and roll, or at least they thought. It gave them issues, and they ended up running with the old M23D for a few races, and it still kept up. Which is impressive. Very Very impressive. Yeah, because, you know, F1 year by year moves along in a lightning pace, of course. Well, maybe not in recent years, but hey, again, I keep talking about 2022, and it's going to be a wonderful year for (laughs) Formula One racing. I I really am so excited. It's hard to contain. There's always next year. If you're from Cincinnati, you say that way too much when it comes to sports. Not necessarily racing, (laughs) but sports in general. You're like, oh, there's always next year. Oh, yeah. That's all right. Good thing I'm not too fond of the rest of them. I just like cars. Yeah. Yeah. Good good hobby to say, and there's no teams. So one one quick notable mention, powering that McLaren M23 was the Cosworth DFV, and it is so good. The Cosworth DFV is awesome. I, I think, just as a side note, that would be my dream Miata transplant engine. Is it the Cosworth? Yeah, the Cosworth DFV, the dual four-valve or double four-valve. Um, 490 horsepower V8, super light, used in Formula One for decades. I mean, I think it, I can't remember if this is, I think it's like one of the most winning F1 engines ever, just because they had it in so many different cars. I mean, it, it's incredible. See, I didn't know that because I was, you know, I've always followed Rally. That's kind of been one of my big racing mm-hmm. series that I've, I'm not super huge on, but I watch a lot of. And when I hear Cosworth, you know, I immediately yeah. think of a Ford Escort, you know, Cosworth. That was the first thing that popped in my mind. Oh, Obviously yeah, a, a different beast. but Wonderful engine builders. Indeed. That they are. All right. Let's go way back. 
March 15th, 1897, 124 years ago. Now, what could possibly be automotive related in 1897? So this is the year that, or the day actually, that Alexander Winton founded the Winton Motor Carriage Company in Cleveland. So Winton was actually the first American company to sell a motor car. Now, back then they called them horseless carriages, of course, all built by hand. Um, he had been in the bicycling or bicycle manufacturing business for 12 years prior to him producing vehicles. So way, way back. Um, so Winton was, you know, kind of a speed demon, like all of us listening are. And, you know, he had this, uh, idea to build the world's fastest automobile. Obviously he was one of the first to make them, but he wanted the fastest one. Obviously, you know, as soon as the second car was built, the first race was started. (laughs) So, um, he was him and like ransom olds, you know, ransom olds always raced his own cars. And so did Winton at the time. And he actually raced ransom olds in 1902. They declared it a draw, but that kind of started this whole thing of Winton going out and challenging people. So a year after that, 1903, Winton won a multi-car race at Daytona, driving his Winton Bullet, um, going an average speed of 68 miles per hour. He was actually the first person to break the metered mile per minute barrier. Of course, there was cars that had gone a little bit faster than that prior, but he was the first one to actually make that record. And um, 1901, that's another pretty important one. Henry Ford actually got overlooked. He, he got neglected for a mechanics position that he wanted at Winton's company. Really? Henry Ford applied <laughs> to work for Winton and he got passed over. Um, so of course, after that, Henry Ford started his own company yeah. and he ended up coming back and beating Winton in a race. So he, Henry Ford made this race car and Winton challenged Alexander Winton, won the race and his car was, was much quicker than Winton's bullet. He won the race and that was the last race he ever raced. He said he was terrified and he would never risk his life like that again. So from then on, he looked for a car to build that was even faster, and he built two of them. One of them was called the Ford 999 Racer. Mm-hmm. And that 999 Racer, he hired Barney Oldfield to race against Alexander Winton in another match race, <laughs> and he got decimated. In fact, Barney Oldfield beat Winton so bad that he hired him. that's that's amazing in itself (laughs) yeah and i think we talked about that on the barney oldfield podcast Mm but um, so you know barney oldfield and this guy named ralph de palma uh drove wintons and packards respectively um for like all these match races and they were pretty much like the sport's greatest rivalry at the time and one of the only ones so i mean pretty cool way back then yeah so the f- interesting story about Packards, though, because Wentons and Packards would go back and forth on all these match races and make tons of money off of it, obviously. Um, pa- Winton is actually the reason that Packard even started building a car. So James Ward Packard actually had uh, this like rivalry, a little bit of beef with Winton at first because he purchased a Winton, you know, uh, horseless carriage. Mm-hmm. And he was always complaining about the car's reliability. And he like publicly criticized Winton. And then Winton basically came back. He clapped back and he urged, pa- you know, Packard to, he was like, well, you can build your own car. So he did. <laughs> <laughs> that just amazes me. And it goes to show, you know, even as hearing that part about, you know, Henry Ford and, and being denied a job and then come to find out years later, looking back in history was yeah. <laughs> one of the, you know, most reputable uh, automakers. When's the know. last time you saw Winton roll down the road, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it just goes to show, even if you get turned down from that job that you've applied for. Keep trying. Yeah. Persistence. Keep trying. All right. So March 16th, 1910, 
uh, talking about the legend himself, Barney Oldfield set a world speed record of 131 miles an hour, 131.7 miles an hour, actually. Um, and he was driving his famous Blitzen Benz, as it was noticed. Now, on the side of his, he had it painted Lightning Benz, um, you know, because he was obviously over here racing. Now, this was at Daytona Beach. Now, this record actually was um, one of the first one that really earned him the nickname Speed King because it was the fastest that any human being had ever traveled up until that point. Yeah, because this is before airplanes, any of that. Well, you know, before any fast ones. Yeah. This was 1910. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a 21 and a half liter four cylinder, 200 horsepower, Just which for back in 1910 was crazy. Now, yeah. you know, the, the Blitz and Benz came out just a year before in 1909. That's just a year after the Model T came out. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it, I mean, it was a, a purpose built racing car. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah, there's exactly. a difference. All right. So going forward a little bit, March 17th, 1949, 72 years ago, this was the day that the very first car to carry the Porsche name was introduced at the 19th Geneva show in Switzerland. So uh, obviously all you guys, all you Porsche nerds know uh, the Porsche 356, (laughs) you know, um, beautiful, beautiful car. And the, obviously Porsche has a very interesting story because you know, he served a two-year prison sentence for his participation as an engineer, you know, for the Third Reich, for the for mm. the Nazi regime. And um, after he got out, him and his son, Ferry, decided that they would, you know, carry on the Porsche name through automobiles. And, you know, the Porsche prototype was basically a modified version of the Beetle or the Volkswagen that he had designed for Hitler. And, um, you know, it was like a, it was supposed to be a sports car version in the first place. Mm. You know, him and his son started out by modifying other cars and things like that. And then once they had designed the Beetle, the Volkswagen at the time, um, you know, he took that and kind of kept the same body lines, modified the engine and came out with a sports car and a pretty good one at that. I mean, everybody you know, loved him when they came out. He immediately built a lot of notoriety because they were just so well built. They drove great. They looked like, you know, nothing else on the road at the time. So, you know, really, really neat. That's why everybody always jokes around and calls Porsche Volkswagens. <laughs> that's, that's how it all started. You know, when you they, what. when they first came over to the States, um, it wasn't Volkswagen. Everybody called them victory wagons oh. because you know, it was right after world war two and VW victory wagon. That's gotta be it. <laughs> so I always like to joke around with any of my friends that own Porsches. Yeah. You know. yeah. How, how's, how's your victory wagon doing? We'll say those those Porsche guys. Uh, that's a whole different breed of automotive enthusiasts. Oh, I, have, I have a lot of respect for them, though. Yeah, I really do. Oh, indeed, I love those cars. I mean, we we can we can joke and we can kid, but man, they build a wonderful automobile. I mean, arguably the best road going sports cars. I mean, I don't even think you could argue really. No, no. I mean, at all. literally, not even joking here. I mean, they they build some of the best cars. I think my favorite Porsche of all time is still the nine five nine. The 959 yeah. was just legendary. So back it. back to history, though. So <laughs> in 1952, uh, Ferdinand Porsche passed away. Uh, he had a stroke the year before. Um, he was 76 or 77 years old, something like that. And his son, Ferry, is actually the person that kind of built Porsche into the brand and the empire that it is today. You know, he carried on the tradition of racing and sports cars and um, – Another fun little sidetrack fact that you won't find, you know, all over the place. There was this guy named Max Hoffman. 
in the States that um, basically was the guy that imported most of our favorite European brands in and, you know, sold them under different lots and and various titles and everything. Um, He ended up, you know, talking to Ferry Porsche and he actually talked to a couple other guys as well over there, different manufacturers. And he had all these grand ideas to sell sportier versions and convertibles to the American public. And Ferry obliged, and they actually built the Porsche 356 Spider because of this Max Hoffman guy, and then shipped him over to the states, and they sold. Yeah, so it's it's amazing, you know, if you look at at markets over the years of you know European cars versus American cars, or or wherever you are in the world, just how different they are, especially looking way back in history. We're mm-hmm. now, for the most part. Most vehicles are nearly the same, just a different name in, in different areas, but it's just amazing how much it's changed and developed over the years when you look back at it. Yeah, it's really incredible. I just can't believe Max Hoffman talked a, a German into cutting the roof off of his new sports car. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty insane if you really think It about really it. is. <laughs> All right, so fast forward March 18th in 2007. Just 14 years ago, Kimi Raikkonen won his Ferrari debut at the Australian Grand Prix. So... This was the one and only year that Kimi Raikkonen won the championship in 2007 with Ferrari. I know everybody thinks that you know he's back of the pack now because he's been racing for Alfa Romeo and a couple other teams that just aren't as competitive, but the guy can still drive. I mean, the other cool part about this race is Lewis Hamilton actually made his debut, his Formula One debut. They ditched Kimi and went to Lewis. McLaren did. <laughs> and... Um, he ended up taking third place in this race. So it was still a really strong showing up for his first ever F1 race. You know, everybody said he put on a really mature drive, uh, which is pretty cool. They thought, you know, he was just going to be a young hot shot, you know, end up sticking it in the first corner or something, but <laughs> he ran it. Um, so let's talk about Kimi Raikkonen real fast. He's 41 years old and he holds a few records, some of which may never be beaten because he's driven an F1 for so long. He has more race starts than any other Formula One driver. He is the only driver ever to race through three different engine specifications, basically eras of Formula One racing. He holds the longest gap between race wins what? <laughs> at 113 <laughs> races between race wins. And then also holds the record for the gap between pole positions at 123 races. Jeez. So those ones you're not too proud of, but you have to give him credit because he is definitely quicker than 99% of us, at least. <laughs> that no is true. I'm that. not going to deny that one at all. There's this one time, it's my favorite Kimmy moment, um, when he was he was racing and they came over the intercom one time and tried to give him some instructions, and you don't tell an F1 vet what to do. So literally, you just hear him respond over the intercom, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and he just shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, March 19th, 1960. This was the day that Jim Clark drove a Lotus 18 to victory at Goodwood. So it was a Ford Cosworth-powered Lotus 18. It was actually in a, a Formula Junior race. But, you know, Jim Clark was there, and it was the first win for the Lotus H- for the Lotus 18, which was a really big deal because this was the first mid-engine car that Lotus had built. You know, Colin Chapman was a genius uh, with, with cars, and obviously he was the genius behind Lotus. Um, the 18, unfortunately would never win the championship. You know, it had a couple of transmission reliability issues because they were actually going about with some type of modified motorcycle gearbox. Um, and it just couldn't quite hold, but, um, everyone in the late fifties and in early sixties were doing their best to come up with a mid engine formula car since Cooper had been, you know, snagging race wins with theirs, you know, and all the Cooper Coventry climaxes. Um, those were really quick cars back in the day. Now, in this same race, in second place was one of my other favorite drivers, 
um, motorcycle world champion, John Surtees. And he was in this race making his four wheel debut in a Cooper, um, the Cooper that was being driven for uh, Tyrrell's team, Ken Tyrrell. Okay. Um, so fun fact about John Surtees, he's the only man to win world championships on both two and four wheels. Yeah, that's he, pretty he won an F1 racing and he won in the 500 CC division for, for the motorcycle world championships. That's astonishing. Like, Being able to transfer from those two is, is pretty insane. And remain highly competitive and dominant in both of those racing disciplines. I mean, they're, they're totally different. Yeah, I mean, what, riding a bike is not that much like driving a car at all. It's not. <laughs> well, if you see, you know, if you're a sports guy and, you know, watching Michael Jordan try to play baseball, it obviously didn't mm-hmm. go well for him trying to do that. He should have stuck <laughs> to basketball. So hearing that and still racing, still competitiveness, competitiveness I asked, and still I being asked dominant. Our, um, one of our other coworkers, Brandon, about that, and he knows all about that story. He, he like, learned me on it. You'll have to... He needs to start his own sports podcast or something. He should. That's, <laughs> what's funny is he listens to us, you know, with our car stuff, and he's over there with a, you know, crazy sports brain. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. All right. So last one up, March 20th, 1936, 84 years ago, the BMW 326 made its world debut at the Geneva Motor Show. So the 326, for those of you guys who don't know, it was their first four-door car. So... 326 being their first sedan. Now, the 320, the 321, 327, 335, all of those ended up being based on the 326. And this was, again, back in the 30s. So at least they've never had to pay someone in the marketing department to come up with new names every year. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I'll just change the number. Ever. Well, they're just assigning the same number. This one will always be a 3, a 5, and a 7. But hey, that was smart. Save, save you know, you got to pinch the penny somewhere. <laughs> So all of these cars were powered by the same two liter straight six that was um, in the 319 BMW, which is like their little coupe roadster. Um, That was another one of their first really successful cars. Um, So the very first BMW car, just since we're talking about the, you know, the thirties and BMW was the BMW 315. Now that wasn't really their design. It was basically a rebadged Austin seven because BMW uh, started out with Carl Rapp and he had his company and they manufactured um, a straight six airplane engine for a brief time. And then they started making, making motorcycles after that sold motorcycles. And then they finally got a contract to build these rebadged Austin sevens that they called Dixies Mm -hmm. in, in Germany. And um, they eventually made up their own car designs, and obviously the rest is history. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, that's this week in automotive history. You guys can obviously check out next week in automotive history next week. Yeah. Uh, There'll be another week of automotive history. That's exciting. Isn't this crazy how this works? Oh, gosh. Yeah, but anyways, you know, thank you guys for listening um, to to all of this history. I know Wesley works very hard to prepare all of this, and you know, I, I get to learn a thing or two, so it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. It's um, really really fun doing this, and I hope you know you guys are getting some value out of it. Yeah, thank you guys for listening <laughs> too. At that, at that. Yeah. Oh, and also hit us up on social media. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of followers yet, but that's cool because we'll yeah. get there. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, go ahead and like us. And even if you want to shoot out a chat, talk to me or Max. Yeah, or send a topic that you want us to talk about. You know, yeah, I know. that'd be fun too. Give us your input. So at the Car Tech Garage, all over the place. Um, you can even email us. What's the email? Um, the Car Tech Garage at gmail.com. Yeah, Max would be happy to respond to your emails. And you know, also stay tuned because we should have some more more content coming here in, in the next couple months. You know, a little bit more. Yeah, so keep an eye out. I won't let any secrets out. Yeah, keep an eye out. Something coming. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. Bye.